Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. I give a shit. I do. Uh, Hey, thanks for listening to us, listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, the greatest station in the world. I've listened to all of them. So uh, anyway, just before we get going, let me just remind you that uh, we need support. We need emotional support, but we also need financial support because we're doing like all this great stuff. We're a nonprofit. It's it's tax deductible. You're thinking about taxes, right? So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate and give us some some cash, not large amounts, any cash, just enough to make us feel emotionally supported. That's not very much. Um, anyway, so uh, first of all, I just want to complain because I'm really pissed off at about this fucking Joe Biden thing. You fucking, I'm sorry, you know, women, feminists, you call yourselves feminists. You know, these are people, I, this is, I'm, I don't care. You're going to hate. If you hate me, I'm sorry, but I just got to get this out there because I can. Uh, but women that are calling out Joe Biden are totally perverting the whole idea of the Me Too movement and all that other crap. And what they're doing is trying to call attention to themselves. If you ask me, they are perverting the Me Too movement with their own fucking egos. So just shut the fuck up. We got to get a clown car out of office, and you're not helping. All right? Feels so much better. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to that. So this is like a really complex day for me. Uh, I don't know if I can handle it. I have two guests on today, and I don't usually, but I had two really special people, and it's all happening. All this shit is happening at the same time, so I made it all into one show. But the first half is going to be one of my favorite, 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 favorite artist and humans, Colin Radcliffe. He's a artist who is having a um, really good big solo show at Equity Gallery. And the second half starting at 2.30 is going to be Noah Becker, who is the founder of White Hot Magazine. And he started this whole series of parties at the Jane Hotel rooftop, which I've been going to. And I want to talk to him about that. So uh, we will be getting to that later. So we got to get through Colin and make sure we get all the shit in that what that I want you to know about Colin. I want you to know so much about Colin. Colin knows that I that I'm always like failing uh, over him. He he uh, he, I, he I'm I'm gonna see if he's never gonna get embarrassed. He I, he's sitting right here. Hi, Colin. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Are, don't you ever get tired of me? Like. Just mooning over how fabulous I think you are. Do you ever get tired of it? I love it. You do, right? Very much. <laughs> you know. You know why I don't mind doing it. I'm mean, no why. Why? Why I'm comfortable doing it because I feel like you handle it very, very well. I don't feel like I'm just uh, pumping you up or something. I feel like it actually lands in kind of uh, a balanced way. Hmm. I feel like I get the appreciation back for it and that it actually helps uh, encourage you, which I think your work's so great that uh, I'm happy. Uh, I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile for the whole planet. So, okay, enough about us. Uh, I met Colin a couple of years ago. He's part of the people I know here in Bushwick. 
and he's his work is so he's only 25 but his work is so sophisticated people so i'm going to tell you about his show first the show that he's doing is called left on red it opens thursday april 18th uh the opening 6 to 8 p.m at equity gallery which is 245 broom street and the show's on view from the 18th to the 22nd 27th so colin has uh two bodies of work one that he started with uh when i first met him a few years ago and it's now evolving into this other body of work uh one is these, he works in ceramics. One of the bodies, the body of work that I met when I met him was these creatures that I'm going to let him describe. And now he's sort of working on these ceramic cell phones, but the, they're really amazing because they're that, you know, technological high tech thing done in ceramics in this like really funny, um, very sophisticated but cartoon way almost, and the uh, texts on them tell tell stories. They're all very, very personal stories. Um, here's a sentence from Colin's uh, artist statement just a little bit before I introduce him so I can get some of the topics, issues, intimate facts about him on the table before I turn it over to him to tell you in his own words. Uh, chronicling my successes and failures in love, my work is autobiographical, focusing on love, sex, intimacy, in the context of both queer digital space and the pursuit of, um, of relationships obstructed by a chronically diseased body. And let me tell you something, Colin is so hot. And <laughs> like the idea of, chronically diseased body like it's so weird because if you meet him and talk to him you don't know that but there's something in his work that has this magic of humor joy and whatever that feeling or or inspiration that one would get from having as he says a chronically diseased body as he puts in his own words so uh he also so uh, he's ha- he he uh, often the ceramic phones pull directly from interactions he's had on dating apps like Grinder, Jacked, and Tinder. Uh, why others play with tropes of queerness, digital dating, and chronic illness from working hands into wet clay. This is what he says: the very same hands that held and caressed a particular lover or exchanged intimate text messages. I cultivate an imprint of tenor's humor, emotional intimacy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there we go. So, Colin, uh, why don't you uh, tell us just what what you're going to be exhibiting and kind of what the show's about? Sure. So I'm going to be showing approximately 30 ceramic cell phones, and they're all going to be on the walls of the gallery and then there'll be a few pedestals with a few of the ceramic figures on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, you know, it's interesting because, so when I first met you, you we talked about your chronic illness, which I'm going to, which you're going to describe briefly here so that people can understand it. But the thing about it that um, knowing about your illness 
and looking at your work, um, it just was, like I said, magical the way that you were able to translate your experience of your illness into the work and not in a sad, depressing way, in a way that was meaningful and generous and hopeful. Is that how you feel somewhat about your illness? Definitely. I think my work in general is very reflective of who I am as a person. So even though I usually have something going on, I'm still pretty positive or feel good about something. I think that translates most of the time to the work. Yeah. And I, I, well, I think that's what you put out first about you. And I think that, um, I think that's what people, people love the work. And I think that's what people respond to. But I think that the real, the, the, the brave, I hate that word bravery because it's not the right word, but that willingness to expose yourself to the vulnerability of exposing yourself with, you know, I mean, I'm being literal when we're going to talk about your illness, but there comes through something that, let me just say this, is way deeper and more meaningful and arresting than any other 25-year-old, I think, would be able to put out there. So that's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, but I'm also saying what's interesting, we can get into this in, um, in a minute, but what is also really interesting is that when one views your, your um, sculptures of uh, creatures, which are human sort of, not always, uh, those seem much more directly connected to your illness where and your physical being but what's really interesting to me as a pretend shrink is that now that you've gone through that maybe you've expressed it maybe you've integrated that whole thing into yourself more where you are now focused on the relationships which are more of the uh which are more of the um relationships which are more of the i'm sorry noah becker just walked in it's fine i'm so glad to see noah noah this is noah this is colin yes sit down we're going to be discussing colin's work but i'm glad you're both here together because i want you to hear about colin's work because it's so amazing his show's opening i want you guys to meet and then uh, we can all talk about at as i promised our our listeners at uh 2 30 we'll start talking about white hot and the parties so, so noah put on those headphones let's get noah set up noah put no not those those put on the headphones put the mic in your face i'll turn you on and we'll get right back yeah we'll get right back to uh to colin the interview with colin we're going through his work so colin uh the thing is is that um so what I was saying was that I think it's really interesting that maybe you've internalized all the things about your physicalness and your body and your illness, and you are now ready to transcend that, and that's maybe why you started using these cell phones. Do you, does, there, does, it, does that make any sense to you? Yes. Do you think that the... Um, the doing the work with the figures... 
uh, did that help you pro- process your illness in any way? Or I think so. I mean, because well, okay, because it's so much about my physical body and the effects that has on me, mm-hmm. and my ability to form relationships with other people. Making that kind of work where it's based off of figures of either myself or lovers that I've had mm-hmm. is a way to cope and and heal. So, can you explain your illness? briefly to us so that we can sort of have a sense of it. And I want, listen, you guys, if you go to see um, Colin's work, you should really understand what his illness is because I think it really comes, it's so um, meaning, I don't know, it just really informs his work and I think it's something you should know. So go ahead. So it's an autoimmune disease, um, but it's not something that you... There's not really a reason why you get it. They don't. They don't really understand. But it's um, for me. It's it's ulcerative colitis, and it it's technically a systemic disease. So it affects my whole body with inflammation. Mm-hmm. But it's concentrated in my colon, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of symptoms that all kind of bleed into each other. But it's a very long list. People can look it up. But the big ones are um, uh, you lose a lot of weight because you can't absorb nutrition. You are chronically fatigued. Um, you're usually in a lot of pain and discomfort and some people call it a quality of life disease because it impairs your ability mm-hmm. to live a very comfortable life. Mm-hmm. And had, and has it affect, I mean, you work all the time on your work and your job, but mm-hmm. do, does it take, are you tired? Does it, do you feel it a lot? Not as much as I used to. So before I was diagnosed and got a medication, it was very difficult. I would sleep 16 hours a day. Oh, wow. How old were you when you were diagnosed? 22. Mm, not that long ago. Yeah. Wow. So so it's much more under control now. Yes. So I take a medication that I self-inject every two weeks, and it dampens my immune system. Mm. So you've had to learn how to adjust to it. It's been a big... Definitely. I've had to know when... I was capable of going out to do things like go to an opening or see a friend and when I needed to stay home and, and just rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, how is the, so have been doing the work has helped you. How, how is it with, um, so your new work is about rela- relationships because it's more focused on the cell phone. So how has that where does the illness fit in with the relationships? Like, do you, do you, when you start dating somebody, do you have to tell them about it, or how how does that? What is that like for you? Um, it's usually not necessary to tell someone, at least not initially. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because it's not a major factor now. Because I'm, I feel well, and the medication I take is very oh, effective. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. <clears throat> um, but previously. Sometimes I wouldn't even bother pursuing a relationship because I didn't feel well enough to do mm. so. So maybe that's another reason why you've been able to move from the figures to the cell phones because you're more focused on the relationship instead of the physical being and integrating all that. I think that's part of it. Or maybe you just don't like like having people in, in the same room. <laughs> I love people. Yeah, you do. You do. So I wanted to ask you, I thought it would be really fun if we could talk about since you've been... Uh, you know, you've been a somebody who's had relationships on cell phones since you were an adolescent, right? 
Yeah, since I was about 16 was the first time I downloaded a so, dating app. A dating app when you were 16? Yeah. Wow. So I thought maybe it'd be interesting to tell us old people, uh, or I'll speak for myself for sure, uh, what the experience is like when you have like dating apps to meet people like from such a young age. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually very beneficial for me at that time because I wasn't out and there really weren't many other queer people in the town that I lived in. Where did you live? I lived on Long Island Mm -hmm. uh, in Bethpage, small, small Mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a way for me to actually meet and speak to other people that were having the same experiences as me, which I think was very helpful for my confidence and my development as a Mm -hmm. queer person. Mm-hmm. And uh, over time, I had him. I would delete it and you know get it back again on the phone. But I've had a, I've had them for. I, there's also been a lot more dating apps over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's pretty. Most people my age have something on their phone. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, what's it like? Do you ever meet people out in real life? Occasionally. Most of the conversations that I, I talk to a lot of people, but most of the conversations will stay just digital and I never meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes like, if the conversation goes on long enough or it seems like I might get along with the person and we want the same thing at the same time, then we'll meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But does it ever feel like, you know, I mean, it sounds a little like, you know, of course it sounds like it could be a little empty. Or is it just efficient? Let's get Noah on here because I want to. Noah, do you use dating apps? Do you date? I'm sorry. Do you use dating apps? How do we know if anybody's listening to this? How do we know? Yeah. All your we can't ask Noah about it because he dates. He he's a popular guy. Is Noah, anybody is anybody listening to this at all? Like, how do we know if anybody at all is listening to this? I what don't if know. We're not listening? thinking about it. Okay. We're not all thinking. Right, of, that right. doesn't matter. That's okay, irrelevant. Okay. My neuroses. Oh. Anyways, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I'm good. good. How are you doing? Very good. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad you guys get to got to. I'm meet. glad too. Where are you showing? At uh, Equity Gallery. Where's that? It's on Broom Street. Oh, okay. In the Lower East Side. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah it's a great. Anyways, little... if you're listening in, don't you have a phone? Don't you tell people to phone in or something? Yeah, we're gonna do that when we get to you. Okay, Oops. back to back to Colin. We're gonna give you not till two thirty because. We, I really want to focus on your work and you. Uh, did your family know? Did your family know that you were? Were you comfortable being queer um, growing up? No. Oh, so what was that like for you? Um, it wasn't that I wasn't comfortable with myself. Right. It was more so that I didn't feel like I had to come out or that a person should ever have to because mm-hmm. that kind of makes it as if it's not a normal thing. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Of course. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we, why don't more people say that? I don't know. I mean, I felt that way for a very long time, even when I was younger, mm-hmm. I, I probably knew when I was 12 or 13 that I definitely wasn't straight. Right. And then, I actually told my parents just about two weeks before I went to college because I Get figured if I don't tell them out. now, I'm probably just not going to tell them. 
How did your parents, like, what kind of relationship <clears throat> did you have with your parents that they had no idea? It's funny. They said that they didn't, but I feel like I, I never tried to hide anything but how what kind of relationship did you have with them they didn't did you feel like they didn't know you were you trying to hide you were you weren't trying to hide it i wasn't actively trying to hide it um but i wasn't doing anything either that would make them think that i i was so so you like well what like i don't even understand like did you go to the prom Mm -hmm. yeah I, i went with my best friend and was that a girl? Yes. <laughs> so were they thinking that you were hanging out with chicks? That those were... Well, I could under, sort of understand it, but were you trying to hot... Because I could see, like, if you had, you had a lot of girlfriends, probably get along great with girls and uh, instead of the macho guys, the guys yeah. on the football team. So True. they probably thought, oh, well, he's got plenty of girls, so he gets along with girls, and he's just... He's a young guy, just hasn't, like, gotten into fucking them yet. I get that. But But, like, the thing is, is, like, how did you feel? Like, did you feel like your parents didn't care? They didn't understand? Or what did you feel? Like, were you not close to your parents? Or like, how do they not know? Well, I wasn't nervous about telling them. Maybe a little bit just because of the actual action of mm-hmm. having to reveal something about yourself that may not be known. Mm-hmm. But my mom's, one of my mom's brothers is gay. And then my dad is a high school guidance counselor. So I, didn't really have any fears or reservations about telling them because I didn't think mm-hmm. I, I, I assumed that they would be understanding. Okay. But since um, did, were you close to them in other ways or did you feel distance distant from them? Did you feel like disrespected or they didn't care about you because they didn't know that about you or. I think I just felt that they didn't really know me yet, but it was also at a time where because I hadn't really explored that part of my identity sexually or romantically um, uh, i think most queer people have a similar experience where in middle uh, and high school because they're not out meeting other people like them uh, they're almost behind in a way so i wasn't uh, i was just coming of age oh, okay. i didn't really know myself that, in that way that makes sense and i just i'm thinking this so with your illness and all do you think that your parent i'm guessing your parents because you're you seem to handle it so well that your parents must be supportive of you right Oh, very. And they've really taken that, done, they do what they can. They're, they really. Yeah, right? they're very loving. Yeah, I am I get that feeling. So do you think there's something about that that has sort of made you more intimate with them or closer to them or in some way? Has that changed the relationship at all? Being ill? Yeah. Do you, not being ill, but like processing it and the experience of coping with it and finding out about it, not just. I think so. I mean, I was actually more nervous when I realized that I was definitely not well and getting sicker. Uh, I was actually, it was an interesting time. I was in college in my senior year. And mm-hmm. over the period of a few months, I kept getting sicker and sicker to the point that like, I kind of assumed that either I was dying or something was really, and really wrong with me. you were in college, me. right? So you couldn't eat? Was it eating and pain and... Yeah, I was afraid to eat because it would make me feel so sick, and then all these symptoms would come up, um, mm-hmm. and I just felt terrible all the time. Was everyone worried about you? Most people didn't know. They still didn't know. Yeah, I was. Okay. I was good at hiding it. Ah, um, all right. And then I believe that somehow. I got to a point where I was like, "Well, if I don't go see a doctor and tell my parents that I need to go see a specialist, then I don't know what's going to happen to me." Mm. 
So then I told them very gently or lightly that I needed to go see someone for something that was going on with me. Um, And they immediately were like, okay, let's go. Oh, okay. And they were there the whole time, like through, there's probably a lot of tests. and Yeah, it took about three weeks to get an an official diagnosis. But I mean, I was pretty sure I knew what was going on before I even Mm -hmm. went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor told me, flat out what he thought was happening mm-hmm. before all the tests came back. Well, I'm really glad that you you have that relationship with them. Thank you. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have three. Three brothers and sisters? Two oh. sisters, one brother, and they're all younger. Oh, wow. You're the you're you're the uh you're the grown-up. Yeah. I was the first born out of uh anyone in my family. Oh, so are you close with them too? In some no, ways. Maybe. Yeah. Are yeah, they, yeah. We're we're close. We're all very different. Yeah. What are what are the how so? Uh, one of my sisters went to school for math and engineering and oh, works wow. for um, a bank slash insurance company. Mm-hmm. And my other sister goes to school for fashion design. Oh, that's kind of what you do to some degree. Yeah, we're yeah. I think the two creative ones. And then my youngest brother is um, really into working out and might join the military. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, we're all pretty different. That is really weird. So how are you feeling about the show coming up? Are you excited? Yeah, very excited. Yeah. And how long have you been working on this now? Uh, I only found out actually on my birthday of this year that the show is going to happen. Fabulous. What's your birthday? February 27th. Oh, wow. So you got to get on it. Oh, yeah. And not only that, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's clay it's not clay it's porcelain clay or something yeah so you gotta deal with like the firing of it and all that yeah it takes about a month for each piece to be complete all that and all that stuff all right well um uh what else anything else about the show or the work are you are you um are any of the people that you've chronicled in your work going to be there some of them yeah Oh really? Yeah, I've, I've invited a couple of them personally. And they do they know that they have work made about them? Yes, the ones that I invited do know. Oh good. So I definitely want to come to the opening cuz I want to find out and then like grill them. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. So how many people at the opening will be people that you've slept with, do you think? Uh not that many. Not that many? <laughs> more than 2? Probably like 3 or 4. Do you think they're going to have a fight? No. Will they be not. jealous? No. Because they <laughs> all so. are going to be with their, they'll, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So this will be really good. Um, I just want to say once again where it is, and then we're going to do a station ID, and I'm going to give out the call in number so people can annoy. Maybe somebody will call in and annoy Noah. He seems like mm-hmm. the kind of guy that would have a call in. I want to have confrontations with phone calls people find <laughs> yeah I, I think you will that's why you guys are so great together because colin is calm and people can fuck with well you. I'm, I'm calm but i, I people enjoy people good, will fuck with you i want a yeah. three-dimensional facebook yeah. comment section yeah this is what i mean yeah. uh so anyway let me tell you about uh equity gallery which is on 245 Broom Street. Who's the director of the gallery? Michael Gormley. Michael Gormley, who's a wonderful gentleman uh, that I met. And the opening, it's called Left on Red, R-E-A-D. There's a pun in there. Opens Thursday, April 18th, 6 to 8. And uh, 
I have all the information on my Facebook page, so you can check that out. And I just want to remind you that you are listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn, the greatest radio station in the world. Please go and you know what you guys should do? You should download our apps because then you can listen to us anytime. We have 70 great shows, 60% our music. You can learn so much. We cover every topic, every kind of thing you could ever want. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android and download your app. Okay. So on to... To Noah Becker. Hi, Noah. Hello. That's not very good. Uh, That's not very good. You can do better than that. Act like you're enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) Noah doesn't act enthusiastic. You were pretty. You were pretty. You were pretty even keel kind of guy, yeah, right? Kind of pretty well, yeah. Yeah, what most ha- of the time. Do you get in fights with people? I can't picture you. you um, I picture you like if you like you and Michael, Michael oh. Anderson. You guys could have an argument, right? Well, he, um, he's. You guys are yeah, close enough. A different you, personality than me. You guys are close enough. You could yell at each other. Yeah, I think that's happened. Yeah, well, we, yeah, times. I could see that, right? Mm. Screaming and yelling. I'm not going to physically get into a fight with him. No, I don't I'm, think so. He's, he's so big. Right. <laughs> you could get in a fight with Colin. You could no, beat I'm up not Colin. Get, I'm not getting in. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not here to fight anybody. <laughs> I wonder if I could anybody. beat Colin. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no. Uh, so anyway, um, before we really get in, I want to tell you about Noah. Noah is incredible. Uh, Noah is a, hy- a multi-hyphenate. He is the founder, editor-in-chief of White Hot Magazine of Contemporary Art. Um, He's also an amazing jazz saxophonist. He has his albums out. He's played with important people. And he's also an incredible artist. You've made some really great paintings lately. You've really kind of gotten into a new thing, a new style, right? Thanks, yeah. What's the deal with that? Um, Springtime. It's like the weather's improving. Weird landscapes are sort of like, um, yeah, it's a series of landscapes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, you should go, I put all this stuff online. Do you, Mm. like I like to say, do your own. I was looking at his ceramic, um, smartphones. Uh, Those are ceramic, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, the thing is, is that, oh, and I, I wanted to tell people about mm. White Hot because mm. I was doing my research today. Mm. Like, you have, like, some really intense stuff in the, you guys got to look at this magazine. Do you know this magazine, Colin? Yeah, of course. You oh, do? you do know it? I do, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, see? I'm always amazed at who knows that. No, Col- well, Colin's on top of things, but still, I mean, a lot of, I mean, it's known. And, um... Like that article by Donald Cuspit totally oh, yeah. blew me away. Donald Cuspit, I'm going to say this because mm. it's not always artists. I'm going to say this in my dumb way or like my like mm. simpl- simplistic way. He took what Renaissance, what is that work? Are you talking about his most recent article that I published? Yeah, yeah. That was um, about Raphael Ra- and Jackson Pollock. Yeah, so he compares Raphael, you know, this classic Rena- Renaissance, right? Art, artists, like, you know, just, you know what that work is, to Pollock and Jackson Pollock. And it was 
phenomenal. I mean, how 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 long's the topic been potentially been around? And uh, Donald Cuspit, you know, I kind of, I like, I kind of was like, yeah, Jackson Pollock's Jackson Pollock's mm-hmm. overrated. He hasn't stood up mm-hmm. to the test of time the way the Renaissance painters have. Mm-hmm. Now I agree, or according. Like, it really made me think about that again. I had lunch with Donald the other day. I saw I saw. It was interesting. He, he was uh, a student of Adorno. Who's that? Theodore Adorno. We don't know. Oh, okay. Anyways. Um, Do you know Colin? No, we don't know. Okay, well, people out there in Radioland know. Um, <laughs> and uh, Otto Dix was a friend of his, yeah, the painter. I, yeah, I've heard of him. Um, Interesting yeah. person, but I find I have to take notes a lot. No, I mean the guy's really fucking brilliant and a great writer, and like and just a famous, like one of the most famous art critics. Well, it was a question. Alive. There was um, there was a number of people like that when I was living in Canada. I I read people's books, mm-hmm. and then later on, I ended up publishing them. Oh, okay. Or artists that I was familiar with, and then. I ended up becoming friends with them. So D- Don- Donald Cuspin is somebody I would not want to have a conversation with. He, because um, I, I would not want to have a conversation about art with him. Let he's me a very, um, very cosmopolitan <laughs> I'm person. Sure, I'm extremely sure. cosmopolitan. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Also speaks fluent German and, you know, different stuff like that. But, uh, but also there was a really, um, really smart uh, review of a friend of mine's work, um, I wrote it down. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, Pascarelli, Richard Pascarelli. Mm. I've known him um, since like I showed Mm. we showed together in 97, like our first shows. And uh, the review of his work was like really smart to very, it was, the stuff is really smart on there. That's what I'm saying. And you don't always see that Mm. in art writing. So Mm. I just want, you guys should know that about white hot, but we also, also, I wanted to talk to you about like what's going on with the parties, because I think it's so Mm. interesting that I was telling Colin about this before you got here. So I want to tell the, my listeners. So the thing is, is that Noah, the founder of white hot magazine has also started this series of artist parties. It's a weekly series. Every Tuesday night at the Jane hotel in the roof. The roof bar. Right. The rooftop, which in the mm-hmm. summer when it gets warmer is going to be, I mean, it was already really, it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's a great room, great people, and they're really great parties. And um, the reason actually that I got excited about them so much is because they reminded me of these parties that I used to go to um, in the late 80s, early 90s that Bear Jones, and I was surprised you hadn't heard, you hadn't heard of Bear Jones. We got to get you uh, <coughs> Get me caught up on that. Yeah, I'll get you caught up on that. But Bear Jones, who died at age 53, was... Oh, great. I have something to look forward to. (laughs) He was a heavy-duty alcoholic. Oh. A really interesting guy, but heavy, heavy, heavy heavy-duty alcoholic. We saw him go down, believe you me. Um. So, you know, that's controllable. Don't worry about it. I don't actually drink that much. Yeah, no. So throwing a party is a lot easier if I'm not No, I mean, you're tanked no i mean i mean this is but anyway uh there were all these people he was one of a very um you know like he was one of warhol's people 
And he was also really good friends with um, Johnson, the guy. The Ray six, Johnson. No, the six page six guy, guy Richard oh, Johnson. Oh, Richard. Johnson. So he would get things placed all the time. So he was he had a lot mm. of he knew a lot of people. And after Andy Warhol died, it was around the time that I broke up with the guy that I'd been living with for seven years. I was, you know, just thirty, and. Mm. Uh, I needed to find a social life, and I started going to these parties. All I wasn't even making art or anything. I just went to these parties, and they were these really amazing parties that were full of all the people that had been left in the wake of Andy Warhol's death, like all the people that had been around him, like Ultraviolet and mm-hmm. uh, Tiny Tim. Do you know him? He mm-hmm. would be there, and like all these like crazy and Hoop. Do you know who Hoop is? Hoop was at my wedding. I mean, Hoop, actually. Anyway, so, you know, but there was a certain authenticity. That's the point I'm making. There's a certain authenticity, and I think that's something that you captured uh, in large part because of who of your personality, I'm just going to say that. So I just wanted to hear about my party personality, party personality. Oh, I want to give out the phone number so people can call and harass you. This can't all be like complimenting and nice here. Somebody's got the call in number is 718-928-9732. 718-928-9732. I spoke to a bunch of you people at the last party of this past Tuesday night and you said you would call in and harass Noah. 718-928-9732. Seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. Did I Call say that na- correct? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm just seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. Call now. Do you have any queer people that you think Colin would like? Call to que- often. Do queer people come to those parties? Do you think Colin? Well, that that um, room used to be RuPaul's apartment. I had no idea. Oh, it used to be Ru- RuPaul's penthouse. I had <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Was it a was it a residential building then? Mm, there's some video of it on YouTube, but it was like really bare and, and you know, bare bones room then. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, I think it was early 90s mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, So was that before he was famous? I th- or famous, well, famous? that room was queer friendly before I started throwing a party there. Yeah, you you got to come with my you party come isn't with me, specific. Colin, my my party isn't okay. specific. Okay. My party isn't specifically for any no. group of people. It's no. for people who want to go to a party. No, I just want to make. I'm trying to get Colin to like meet people in real life. That's all. Oh, <laughs> I see. Well, you have to schedule that with him. <laughs> well, you know. Well, well, I'll I'll make an announcement we when couches, we're going to go. There's couches outside in case people want to just fall asleep. Yeah, there's plenty. There's it's a it's really like it. Anyway, it, it does have a um like. So we're talking about the rooftop party every Tuesday night at the Jane Hotel. People might have tuned in and they're like, "What the hell are they talking well, about?" You're you're really good at cueing in our listeners. I forget it. I forget that there. I used to run. Be. I actually ran a radio show. Did you? Yeah. Where? Uh, in Western Canada. Oh, really? What was it about? You have um, a good voice. Oh, thanks. It was mo- when I clear my throat. It was mostly um, jazz records. Oh, music! You should get yeah. a music show here. Pitch a music mm, show. Good idea. I I was um, I was going to bring my saxophone, but I had to put it in the repair shop. Oh. I've also left my phone charger somewhere. 
someone's、uh, phone's almost dead. Oh、uh, well, we don't have a, we things don't have that a, people listening to this really need to know about about you in particular. Yeah, it's、so、like、what? my phone charger and Joe Biden. Those are the two most.、Important. I already did. You hear me complaining about Joe no. Biden? No, I was already. Well, I wasn't complaining about him. I was saying, "Fuck you!" To the, all those people are perverting the Me Too movement by complaining about him.、They、are you just, are you pro Joe? I don't. You know, it's not about Joe. I just wish people would just fucking shut up and stop talking about things that aren't. The thing is, it's like the Me Too movement is important. Whether Joe Biden touches you in a non-sexual way. Is just not that important. I touch people in a non-sexual way all the time. People well, touch me. You have me. to remember they that、uh, Joe Frank was it. Joe Al Frank- Franken. Yeah. Al Franken, right? Not Joe Franken. Al, Al Franken. Franken. Al Franken. He was taken out by pantomiming grabbing a woman's breasts. Yeah. Joe Biden is like rubbing and smelling and you know. I actually think Joe Biden would make a good president, and I would vote for Joe Biden. But the problem is, is that it's trial in the media. Yeah, and yeah. the minute they have a little taste of the Me Too thing, it's um, it's big news, you know. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. But I don't think they should be. With it's cannibalistic. It's cannibalistic. We're eat. We're you know they shouldn't be. Um, they shouldn't、mm-hmm. be. You know, focus on. Fo- don't focus on that. Focus. I think on Joe Biden、shit. just had kind of a strange style of. Greeting people and being nice to people—I don't think he's genuinely a creepy individual. No, no,、um, and no smoking in here. Oh, I'm not.、Uh, this is it, what is va- that? Vaping. No vaping in、oh. here. No vaping in here.、Oh, Are you、okay. gonna? If Tom Tenney、uh, walks in, I'm、oh. gonna be dead meat. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why isn't somebody、out. else calling in and complaining about Guess this? Guess I'm thrown out. No,、um, you're not thrown、okay. out. So,、um, what, what, what was the inspiration? How did you organize? How did you get the Jane Hotel, Jane Hotel to agree? Sorry, to I just got it. My, I was like, the t- I mean, the rooftop of the Jane Hotel. How did,、oh. how did that come about? It's really、uh, swank. I, it's I, really nice. Yeah, it's swanky. I collaborated with some people, and、um, and I like the way they dress over there. They have those little、um, butler. They have、yes. that kind of like old old world old, sort of classic you know, New York. It's like a Wes Anderson movie over there. Yeah,、like、yeah. So I liked that. I thought that was cool. Um, and、uh, yeah, I wanted to have a party in that kind of an environment. You know. Well, I love the idea of like a weekly party because people know you kind of can get to know people and have、mm-hmm. them come there. And like the thing is, the only way do you go to parties a lot? The way I can see- I be honest? Yeah, I I don't see parties be- happening in the art world. The art world,、right. prop- the art world proper. I'm not talking about like. People that want to be artsy and put on people that have part, yeah, right, right.、Not、people that want to、yeah. put on a, like a Roy Lichtenstein costume party or something like that, <laughs> yeah, but, right. But like you know, the art world, art world, right, right, right. Which is what I'm part of, or enthusiastic about, or friends、mm-hmm. with, or whatever.、Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, they all people used to go to Studio Fifty Four, right? It was artists and celebrities, and all that, and it's very. World famous and probably stereotypical of New York nightlife, right? Right. And、uh, in my small little way, whatever way that is, 
that people either care about. Obviously, you care about it, but mm-hmm. it's I don't well, have everyone's going to care now. Well, anyways, I don't have uh, illusions or allusions. I can't remember what the right word is, but I don't have. Um, uh, I'm not delusional in thinking that I'm like the next Steve Rubell or something. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, it's nice to have an art world and party that has like art world people and celebrities and yeah and so we just started something to see what would happen mm-hmm. because the people that i'm dealing with like the idea of an art magazine party yes right right, right. and uh now more and more art art stars and celebrities and interesting people like yourself and other other people are, are showing up to um <laughs> Are showing up to yeah, uh, we're getting but it's a, like nine p.m. to two a.m. every Tuesday at the roof of the Jane Hotel. Yeah, we're getting we're we're getting the world the word out. But I was <clears> noticing <throat> that was like in that time that I'm talking about, and I'm I'm old, I know that, and I'm cool. I'm totally cool with it. Um, so that um, in the you know late eighties, early nineties, when I was going to those parties, like no one has those part. I I it just like. By going to that party, remind well, me how no one's having because this, this is what ha- anymore. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And this is to anybody out there who's involved in the art world. Maybe a dealer or an art fair director or somebody who stole a bunch of money from an artist or whoever you are. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the art fairs came in, and the art fairs have been around for 10 or 15 years, probably closer mm-hmm. to 15 years at mm-hmm. this point. And everybody went to Miami, and right. yay, yay, we're all... And I went to Miami for over a decade. I went to Miami this last time. And everybody was like, we're partying in Miami, we're partying in Miami. You know, the art world's partying in the art fairs, we're partying in Miami. And the whole sort of social party thing became very corporatized and very fe- right. fed through business the business of art right and tiered tiered the caste system of whatever right it wasn't just like somebody was bringing art world people in to have a regular party right and also the nature of social media and all this kind of stuff where it's like um doing something in a bar in new york in person right seems like the way people used to do international things in before the internet and then post internet, it was like, Oh, well, we don't need to do that anymore. We can all just like hang out in a chat room or talk on Facebook or whatever it is. So I thought, yeah. okay, well, if, if you could go into a small room in New York and have a party mm-hmm. in the eighties and they didn't have the internet, imagine if you went into a small room in New York and you had a party and you did have the internet. Not that everybody's taking that, because actually I tried to do a live of Facebook Live and some girl, like, drunk girl, like, swatted my phone out of my hand. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I think that vibration is relevant, and I don't think anybody's doing it, because people have a tendency to move in sort of um, herds, the, mm-hmm. herd me- the herd mentality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also the systemization or sy- systematic... Uh, takeover of the art world by i don't hate art fairs i re- actually really i don't love art fairs but i right. uh, art fairs are there and right let's, it's a reality. Enjoy, let's enjoy them if we can um last time i went to freeze it was sort of like the fire festival but that's a whole other thing <laughs> um, so what i was anyways long-winded blah 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 but i think people listening get get the point without me 
going on and on and on about it. But it's nice to to throw an art world party for the sake of doing a party. Yeah, exactly. And the thing about it is like when you get, it is so democratic because the problem is, I mean, it's funny. I hadn't really thought about this, but in the old days, like, I mean, that's what was so great about those parties. You could be in a room with like Andy Warhol's friends, Gerald Malanga would be there, you know, mm-hmm. and nowadays it's like, it's all tiered. Like, well, you, also a lot of those people are either dead or retired. No, they're all, I mean, but I'm saying like, there's no equivalent like that. I'm not saying they should be because around. Because this generation has been corrupted by the online world and nobody goes out anymore. No one goes out. But there's also, um, the art world has, the thing about your party or the white hot, white hot magazine parties, whatever you call them, they're very democratic. Like you could be in a room with, you don't know who you're in a room with. You could be in a room with somebody, like there's no, there's an, you didn't have to buy a ticket. You weren't in this t- certain mm. time slot. You're invited to this, but you're not. Because I know at art fairs, and mm. I think this is true of all festivals, film festivals, mm-hmm. comedy festivals, everybody's always feeling like there's always another party that you're not invited to, right. no matter where you are. Well, also, we're doing an every Tuesday party when there's no big art event going on. Right. So, right. And then when Freeze Week comes up, we'll do a Freeze-themed party. We did an Armory-themed I party. actually had an idea for you, for, for um, which I'm going to put out here. Uh, so anyway, you know who? do you know who Alan Midget was? I've heard the name. So, Wasn't he the guy who impersonated Warhol and put the wig on and went out uh-huh. to universities? And, yeah, so he, he you know, with, yeah, one university place, right? So mm-hmm. he used to hang out. After Warhol died. So I, what was his last name again? Alan Midget. Midget? Midget, like a midget. Oh, okay. With two T's and an E. Did you meet him? Yeah. I mean, not. I met, you know who I met? I met Divine once. Oh, neat. And I got her autograph, and I lost it when I moved. Oh. <laughs> it's like It's like this whole thing. I hung out with Amanda Lepore one time. Oh, really? That was interesting. She must be interesting. Yeah, it was at a nightclub. There was somebody introduced me to her. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there you go. Very petite. Really? Mm-hmm. She seems like she'd be small. Do you know who that is, Colin? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. You had a quizzical look on your face. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I oh, mean, so here's my idea. Okay. So I think in the spirit of Alan Midget that um, we should get somebody to dress up as Warhol and go to every mm. party to have like a Warhol David, character. Uh, David Henry, nobody did that at an opening that I was... David Henry, nobody. We should get him to he do it. He would be the person. I've invited him a few idea. times. That's a great idea. If you're out there, David. I'm going to send it. Should I? Can I send him an email yeah. and CC you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to get, we're going to enlist David Henry, nobody to be the Warhol He character. showed up at this opening that one time and he was in a turtleneck with a Warhol wig. He yeah, came there especially to, to mess with me. But I think he's the perfect person. That's see, see the, there he we go. He deliberately tried to mess with me at this. What did opening. he do? He what did he do? Showed up dressed as Warhol and was like trying to take photos. What was the him. opening? Was it your work? No, or? It was somebody else's group show. He and, just somehow he knew I was going there because I had posted it. And why? Why you? Why would he pick on you of all people? Well, he's a friend of mine, and we have a kind of an interesting dialogue. Going. Uh, so you do you pick on? He knew I would be. Um, he knew I would be agreeable to his antics. 
Oh. So and we kind of. I mean, I feel like I feel like there's more to the story. Do you, Colin? There's a little more that we're not getting bit, yeah. there. <laughs> with the with the antics were maybe. Well, Does it involve food, sex, drugs, alcohol? Um. No. There's a hesitation, though. No, 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 no. It's not nothing. Let's make it up. Let's make uh, it up, Colin. It's <laughs> nothing like that. But he might be a good, good person. He's the perfect. I was hoping he that. would show up at the Jane Hotel Tuesday night's no, party. No, I think that he should take on the character of Warhol and come to every mm. single party as Warhol. But it's in, it's important to make the distinction between the downstairs ballroom at the Jane and the roof. Oh, bar. really? Yeah, they have a different party down there. They actually had a red. They had a Red Bull party down at, the, was, at the ballroom and we were so popular that we put the red bull party out of business and everybody from the red bull party comes to our that, party now. that's <laughs> what it looked like was going to happen the, it was totally that was what happened so the, i saw this couple walk in to the and then they came upstairs in like this crazy costume oh well that was like some kind of 1920s flapper vintage flashback party well wow. they were like in costume but like expensively dressed Co- you know, costume like a stylist. They get some, get some really incredible looking men and women at the Jane Hotel at our party. They show up and they're really sex. A lot of sexy, yeah, sexies. Yeah, show re- up. yeah, really. And a lot of them like dressed like in in like nineteen twenties clothes. And it's really odd. That's really interesting yeah, well, scene. Well, yeah, that's what's so interesting about it because you can't really place it in a certain time. Mm-hmm. And I realize, you know what it reminds me of, actually? It reminds me of what I wish the uh, Rose Bar was like. You know the Rose Bar? You you do. You don't, Colin. you got to get a date to take you to the Rose Bar. It's Where is, isn't that in Uptown? Gramercy. That's oh, the one I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, oh, oh. Have with you been all in there the orig- lately? No. You mean the Gramercy Park Hotel? Yeah, the one with the, all the, with the Schnabel collection. Oh, yeah. That's that's been redone, and they have the schnabels up. And oh, it's so great! It's such a beautiful bar, and it's mm-hmm. like you know, hard to get into now, maybe or something. You're not going to do that. No, do you're what? not going to ever get a red rope at your party or any oh, of no, that no. crap. None of that crap. None of that crap. I'm not going to do that. But they would do that. At, so the thing about the rose bar is that it's like really, really beautiful. And they have this really expensive art from Julian Schnabel's collection. So you actually get to experience the art like it should be in sort of a public. They had a bunch like, of Richard Prince's. They had a show of David it. LaChapelle. In they change there. it all the time. Yeah. But anyway, it's a really big room and it has mm. this snottiness. So I'm mm. going to say, I'm going to tell people that I think that that um, the that your party at... The Jane Hotel rooftop is an improvement. I'm gonna put oh, it. I'm gonna say that. That's nice of you to because say. Because it has a similar vibe, but it's smaller and more intimate and less uh, self-conscious. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the room that you chose or the room there is that at the Jane Hotel is that it's small enough that you can really start a conversation with anyone. Well, we're say TGIT now. Tuesday is the new Saturday. Oh, Tuesday is the news. Thank God it's Tuesday. Thank God it's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you you know, I mean, like, you know, it's funny because I I like observing parties. Sometimes I like engaging. Sometimes I like observing. But I feel like sort of free to do whatever I want want Mm -hmm. there. Like I could sit there and just watch because it's like live theater party. Right. 
But then I also feel like I could walk up to anyone and talk to them. And I don't always I mean, you know, I, I you guys know this about me that besides my obnoxiousness, there's there's a really shy person. Oh, no, in there. You know, I don't find you obnoxious at all. I mean, this is New York City. If if people yeah. with your kind of personality can't exist here, where are they going to go? Yeah, really. But no. but there's a real shy person in there. Do you see it? You know it. I think that's the dichotomy that a lot of I have a little bit of that myself, of that. where I have a yeah. little bit of shyness, and then I have a very extroverted yeah. aspect. Yeah, that alcohol actually brings out the extroverted. Too much alcohol makes it really bad. Yeah, but um, well, I did the math and I calculated that because we're going from nine p.m. to two a.m. every Tuesday at the Jane Hotel, that that's twenty hours of partying a month. Hmm. See how I wove in a little advertising. I like that. See, 20 hours if you're there the whole time. See, I'm weaving in a little advertising for the party as <laughs> I'm talking. It's like, yeah. So anyways, about this every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. party at the Jane Hotel. He doesn't have a problem promoting it I'm like all. a robot. What? Uh, why? Now, why isn't it on your website? It's not on your website. You mean the party? The magazine? The party is not advertised on your magazine website. That's is true, it? isn't it? Yeah. Why is that? Um, is there, is I'm waiting there, for it. It's almost the point where it's historically relevant enough for me to do that. Ah, oh, it's a little underground now. Word it's of on the verge of actually becoming something that's really legitimately a historical thing. Uh huh. But I don't feel yes. I'd, even with projects that I'm working on. I mean, first of all, I rarely publish self-publish in the magazine about things that. I'm working oh, on. Oh, I see. In this case, mean. it's a magazine party for the magazine, mm-hmm. so it would mm-hmm. it would mm-hmm. it would work. But I don't think it's a huge secret to people. No, no. But I'm just I was just looking for it. That's all. And I, I have was like, why I, is he know, doing this? Yeah, it was a question that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a minute left, and I want to make sure. Besides, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Please stick around. We have such great programming after this. We've got great music, talk, funny stuff. My Thursdays are really the best, but I just want to make sure I go through all the things that I want everyone to know. I want everyone to come to Colin Radcliffe's opening at the Equity Gallery, 245 Broom Street. That's Thursday, April 18th, 6 to 8 p.m. The show's on view till April 27th. Tell us your website, Colin. ColinJRadcliffe.com. Spell Radcliffe, for God's sakes. C-O-L-I-N-J. Radcliffe. Do you R-A-D-C-L-I-F-F-E. get the C L I F F E? Okay. You you get you get the are you related to's and all of that all the time. Okay, I won't. We don't even have to say. <laughs> and um, every Tuesday night at the Jane Hotel, White Hot Magazine, White Hot Magazine Art- artist party, artist party. Doctor Lisa gives a shit.